lovely to hear um, you ladies uh, talking about moving and our title this morning is have you moved into the next season and I have a sense that there are some of you who are just at that point of moving and maybe some of you just moving have just moved into that sense of being established and that's good but God always is a God who gently moves us as he's ready to take us forward and um, it is interesting that that uh, over the past few weeks I've really sensed that God has wanted to move me and a lot of what I'm going to say today is out of uh, experience that I have personally gone through so it's not sort of what I'm going to say to you is not even so much uh, teaching from an academical point of view but it really is from the heart and I believe that God wants to move in our hearts today I believe God actually does want to move us and uh, we had we have been looking at David and uh, a few months back Jerry uh, and I were in Vienna over at one of the 24-7 conferences and there was a guy who spoke there on the Sunday and he spoke uh, about David and Jerry had taken a couple of notes and she'd passed them on to me and they've been lying in my drawer and just yesterday morning I, there was something about those notes that I, I thought I need to look those up and so here's what the guy had said he was talking about how David had moved from anointing to appointing he had been anointed and when you get saved you were anointed by the Holy Spirit but you're anointed to be appointed there's an appointed thing for you and so he had said about how David had moved from anointing to appointing and he had also moved from the place of promise into position and so there's a promise over all of our lives God speaks into our lives he gives us promises from his word and those promises are aimed to move us into position and the notes went on to say that God had established David and the question this guy had said was, where is the Lord establishing you? And so I felt this, and so to continue just for a moment of what he also said, he, these were the words I read. It was good for David as a shepherd boy to aspire to be a king, but it was dangerous for David as a king to think he was still a shepherd. There's a moving on. David needed to move into the next season he needed to move into what it meant to be a king and I have written in your notes today the profound reason for David being king was so that God could fulfill his promises to his people if you look back in, in, in chapter 4 uh, chapter 5 of uh, of of um, chapter 5 of 2 Samuel you'll see that the Lord had established him to rule over his people and so he was established not only to love and worship God but also to, to do God's work and I just feel it's important for me to remind you that you have been established God is establishing you he's putting your roots down into him he's showing you who you are but he's establishing you so that you will not only love him and worship him and serve but also that you'll serve him that you have a job to do there is work for you to do now we're going to read and I just think the best thing we can do is to read 2 Samuel 6 and I'm just going to read the story and then we, we'll look at today and we're going to trust the Holy Spirit to take these, this story and speak to your heart. Okay? So this is after last week. Do you remember how God gave David breakthrough? Gave, he actually won the victory for David on two separate occasions and then it says in chapter 6, 
Second uh, Samuel, then David again gathered all the elite troops in Israel, 30,000 in all, and he led them to Bala of Judah to bring back the ark of God, which bears the name of the Lord of heaven's armies, who is enthroned between the cherubim. They placed the ark of God on a new cart, and they brought it from Abinadab's house, which was on a hill. Uzzah and Ahio, Abinadab's sons, were guiding the cart that carried the ark of God. Ahio walked in front of the ark, and David and all the people of Israel were celebrating before the Lord, singing songs and playing all kinds of musical instruments, lyres, harps, tambourines, castanets and cymbals. They were having a real party. Verse 6. But when they arrived at the threshing floor of Nacon, the oxen stumbled, and Uzzah reached out his hand and steadied the ark of God. Then the Lord's anger was aroused against Uzzah, and God struck him dead because of this. So Uzzah died right there beside the ark of God. And David was angry because the Lord's anger had burst out against Uzzah. So he named that place Perez Uzzah, which means to burst out against Uzzah, as it is still called today. Verse 9. David was now afraid of the Lord, and he asked, How can I ever bring the ark of the Lord back into my care? So David decided not to move the ark of the Lord into the city of David, that's Jerusalem. Instead, David took the ark to the house of Obed-Edom of Gath. The ark of the Lord remained there in Obed-Edom's house for three months, and the Lord blessed Obed-Edom and his entire household. Then King David was told, The Lord has blessed Obed-Edom's house, his household, and everything that he has because of the ark of God. Instead of judgment, now it's blessing because of the ark. So David went there and brought the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom to the city of David with a great celebration. Now this might sound like a strange uh, passage to speak about and to give you an encouraging word, but believe you me, there's something in this that I believe God wants to really spur us on this morning. Because David had a priority, and his priority was he wanted Israel to know what it was to have the ark, the presence of God, back in the right place, back in the land. And you need to know that for about 70 years, the ark had been away. It wasn't in the tabernacle. It was in the house of a particular man called uh, Abinadab. And the story goes that uh, many years before that the Philistines had stolen the ark. Remember the ark was a little box where God chose to dwell. It carried God's presence and the glory of God. And it, it was supposed to be in the tabernacle and the place where they could come and meet with God. But for over 70 years, it hadn't been there. The Philistines had taken it first of all. Then they had been afraid of God's presence and they had returned it. They'd put the ark of God onto a new cart and they'd returned it to Israel. But Israel became very afraid of God's presence. We haven't time to go into the whole story. But out of fear and, and dread of the greatness of God, the Israelites had said, we can't cope with this. And they'd put the ark into a man's house called, this man was called Abinadab. And for 70 years, the ark was in this house and Israel did not enjoy the presence of the Lord. The ark was not with them. So David had a priority and the priority was to bring the ark, God's presence, back into the centre of Israel. And uh, 
and so uh, David, he had, um, he had a desire for the people to know God's presence. Uh, just a, a word, a quote from a, a commentary, the Enduring Word Bible commentary says that David wanted Israel to be alive with a sense of the near presence and glory of God. And I believe that's what all of us want, isn't it? We want to be alive with the presence of God. That is, that is our priority. I know that's why you're here. That's what we long for because there's nothing. The Bible says that there is, in the presence of God, there's fullness of joy. So we're all longing for God's presence and David was longing for it. And so his priority was right, but David had to learn that there was a protocol. He had to learn more. He, he was now no longer a shepherd boy. He was now the king of Israel. He, he, was, he had moved on. God had established him. God was moving him on into something more. And he had to learn more about God. And so although his priority was right, he had to learn the protocol. He had to learn how to carry the ark. He, there were was, there was some things that David didn't yet know. And I want to challenge you, and I'm challenging myself. Because I'll tell you, over the last month, God has shown me how little I know. God has shown me stuff in my heart that's needing to be set in place and sorted out. And you know, I'm, you know what? It's hard sometimes to see that. But I'll tell you, it brings tremendous joy because it lets me know God's still working with me. God, has to, he wants to work with you and he wants, to, he wants to challenge you about knowing and learning more about him and about his holiness because he wants us to step up and this is about stepping up for David. This is about God wanting the best for David. And God couldn't let David away with doing things in a sloppy way. And he was going to show him the right way because he wanted him to be a man who could step up and move into the greater things that God had for him. And so there was nothing wrong with his priority. The trouble was that David hadn't sought out the, the instructions, God's instructions as to how to carry the ark. He thought you could just put it onto a cart the way the Philistines had. Now, the Philistines were ungodly people. They didn't know anything about God. They didn't know how to handle God's presence. And that's why, if you read back, I've given you the references, read the story and see what happened to them because of the way that they handled the ark. And God kind of let them away with it, in a sense, because they didn't know him. But the Israelites knew God, and David knew God, and yet he hadn't taken the trouble to actually find out the right way to carry the ark, to carry God's presence. And so he just did what the Philistines did. He just put it onto a new cart. And the probably David and all these Israelites probably thought, look at this great new cart we have put for, the, for God's presence. And there was a tremendous excitement as they started off to take the ark back to the people. I have I've written in your notes... A quote, it's again from the Enduring Word commentary. I thought it was really good. It says, Judging from the importance of the occasion and all the instruments mentioned, this was quite a production. It wasn't, it wasn't just, um, it wasn't just uh, you know, a party. It was a real production. It was a real showpiece. They were putting on a show and the atmosphere was joyful, exciting and engaging. The problem was none of it pleased God because it was all in disobedience to God's word. You see, they were, they were putting the ark onto a set of wheels. And God's presence is not 
God will not allow us to program up, to make a program and run, run his business on wheels. We have to carry the ark. The correct way to carry it was to carry the ark on poles, and we'll talk a bit more about that uh, next week. But these guys, they just thought, put it in the ark, run it on wheels, and so often we want to run our lives like that, don't we? We don't want to have to actually ask God about stuff. We're just, it's almost like we want things, just set it in wheels and it'll, it'll all go easy. And it's, God wants us to do things his way. And so even though David's priority was right, his, his protocol wasn't, he wasn't acting, he wasn't taking the presence of God to the people in the way that God had prescribed. You see, when, can you imagine uh, this man Uzzah sitting up on the cart? He's, he's probably, um, you know, with the reins on the horses and the, the horses carrying the cart or the donkey or the whatever it was. Can you imagine uh, Uzzah sitting on the cart, sitting on the, uh, with the reins in his hands and the ark's just in front of him and his brother is out in front, he's clearing the way and it's a big production line, they're all cheering and the, ta- cast, what do you call those things? Tambourine. Ca- tambourines and castanets sort of you call those things all those different all this music was blaring it looked like a great show but whenever it came to a threshing floor the oxen it was actually it wasn't the horses the oxen was was put in the put in the cart the oxen stumbled and the ark shook a little bit and this man Uzzah put his hand and touched the ark to steady it and he immediately died because God struck him down now you know what, when I was a wee girl, I used to think, that's, that's really strange to understand. How could God do something like that? I mean, the man just put his hand out and touched the ark like he was just trying to steady the thing. But you see, the more I've grown and the more I've realised, this, do you know what this was like? This was like a human being, you know, human flesh. Now, we know our flesh is not spiritual. Our flesh is fleshly. We are all fleshly people. And this is like us in our humanity, putting a hand out to steady God. This is like us putting a hand out to say, I'll take care of God. I mean, it's ridiculous. It was ridiculous. The man, he did it instinctively, but he wasn't, he wasn't aware of the holiness and the awesomeness of our God. And, and when this happened, when this happened, Uzzah died immediately. The Bible says he died for his error or because of his irreverence. And I put in your notes, it was human flesh trying to steady God. It was human flesh trying to take care of the Almighty. It was absolutely outrageous what this man did. And David needed to learn a proper fear of the Lord. He couldn't understand. Did you, whenever we read this, did you, did, you, did you read, did you hear what I read? That David was angry and that, I believe, came out of confusion because he couldn't understand. And he wasn't only angry, but he was afraid of God that day. And he called this place Perez Uzzah, which means outburst against Uzzah. It's interesting that in the chapter before, which we spoke about last week, do you remember that it talked about how David was the Philistines came against David and how God burst through against the Philistines and gave David breakthrough against his enemies. But here it's God now bursting through against Israel, his own people. Because you know what? He's a holy God. He's a holy God. And David, David had not, uh, he had not 
acted in the way that pleased God and David was about to learn uh, an amazing lesson. I've written in your notes, David was saying the awesome holiness of God's person and God's power. And so David said, how can I ever bring the ark of the Lord back into my care? And I've written in your notes, believe it or not, this was a good place for David or indeed any of us to be. It was similar to Isaiah's experience when he saw the Lord high and lifted up and the sight of God's holiness filling the temple made Isaiah cry out, woe is me, I'm undone. It was similar to Peter's experience when in the presence of Jesus he declared, depart from me for I'm a sinful man, O Lord. And I have written in your notes that God often allows life experiences to awaken us to reality and to jumpstart us into obedience so that we're changed and prepared for the next season. I want to read this quote. It's out of a daily reading that uh, Jerry and myself and Joy read and it really struck me. I just noticed it the other day. An exalted view of God brings a clear view of sin and a realistic view of self. A diminished view of God brings a reduced concern for sin and an inflated view of self. I'm going to read that again. An exalted view of God, that same God and all his holiness, brings a clear view of our unholiness, our sinfulness, and it brings a realistic view of self. A diminished view of God brings a reduced concern for sin and an inflated view of self. You know what? I'm going to tell you this because I know it in my own heart. Do you know it's possible for us to be moving with God and even, even working for him, even in ministry for him? It's possible for us to do all of those things and without reali realising it, to get a bit of an inflated view of self. Do you know it's possible for us to kind of lose the greatness and the majesty and the wonder of who God is? It's easy for us sometimes to start to think it's all about us doing it rather than God. And you know, Zechariah, the book of Zechariah says, it's not by might and it's not by power, but it's by my spirit, says the Lord. And you know what? Without the Holy Spirit, we can't do anything. Now, I want to tell you something. Over this last, uh, over this last month or so, God has really shown me, and I'm not saying this in a way that put me down, I'm just saying that when God wants to lift us up, Sometimes he allows us to hit difficult spots. And it might be because that we've done something that has grieved him. It might be because we've pleased him, but he, he knows there's potential and he wants to lift us higher. It might be because we're weary and we're going through a difficult season. It might be because we're in the middle of a difficult divorce. It might be because we're sick. It might be any manner of things that bring a kind of a crisis to our lives. But I want to say to you and I want to suggest to you that the enemy wants to use those times to inflate us or else to deflate us. If he can puff us up, he's got us. And if he can push us down and put his foot on top of us, he's also got us. And the enemy will work any trick he can to try and stop you moving into the next season with God. Because the next season is all about learning more of God's holiness. It's all about learning more of who God is and, and what he wants to, to do in us and how he wants to change us and teach us and mould us to be more like himself. 
And all of these trials and difficulties that we go through in life, they're all for God's purposes to use them to shape us and mould us and lift us up into the next season. And so if you're going through a hard time, whether it's something that you're ashamed of, whether it's something that you're, you've recognised a weak area in your life, whether it's some kind of habit that you just can't seem to shake off, whether it's a wrong relationship, whether it's just weariness and worn out, whatever that is, let me tell you that God wants to get your attention through that very thing. And over these past few weeks, God has certainly got my attention. And let me tell you, I stand up here, but let me tell you, I'm made of the same stuff. Don't you dare put me in any pedestal. Because I'll tell you something, I make mistakes and I make big ones sometimes. And I'll tell you, God teaches me and he doesn't let me off with anything. And I'm saying, thank you, God. I don't want you to let me off with anything. Show me and teach me and help me to rise up. Give me a heart to learn. Give me a heart to be humble myself and to say, you know what, Lord, I get it wrong. And you know what, you get it wrong, and so do I. And maybe, maybe, you, maybe you've dared to think, you know, that I'm in some different kind of league. Listen, forget that. I am not. I'll tell you, our flesh, our flesh is so sinful, and we let ourselves down, and we let God down, and we let others down, and sometimes we touch the cart. Sometimes we think we're in control and God saying, no, you're not in control. But you know when we say yes and we surrender everything, we stop trying to do it. We stop trying to control what's going on in our lives. We stop trying to, to, to put the, the cart, put the ark on the cart. We stop trying to, to, to manipulate God's presence and we say, here God, it's all about you. You have your way. You do it your way. Because you know what? Here's the reins. You take over. It's your presence, it's you, you're the Holy God. And so through this experience, I wrote in your note that David was going to gradually learn the implications of moving into this new season because he was stepping up to be a king now and he needed to learn how to do things God's way. And whilst initially David didn't know what to do, do you know what he did? He was angry, he was confused, he didn't know what to do, but he did the right thing. He gave the, he gave the ark over to one of the Levites. Obed-Edom was a Levite. The Levites are the, were the priesthood in those days. They were the people who, who were part of the priesthood. The, the word Levite means joined. And the Levite, actually, the Levites in the Old Testament were actually like a prophetic picture of us as believers. Because, you know, Peter said that we are a royal priesthood. We are a special people. We are, the, 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 the Levites were almost like a prophetic picture of those of us who would trust Jesus. Because you see the moment that you trust Jesus as your saviour, you become a priest. You become a priest. You have the right to speak into heaven. And the word Levi means joined. And the moment that you trust Jesus to be your saviour, the moment you recognise that you're not right with God and you need to get your sins forgiven and you invite him into your heart, at that moment you are supernaturally joined to God. Isn't that one with Christ? Isn't that amazing? And so these Levites were a kind of a picture of what eventually the church would be like, what what, what Jesus would do on the cross so that we could be joined to God. And so this, this uh, Levite, Obed-Edom, he 
He hosted the presence of the ark. He knew how to host the presence of God in his home. And so David found out after a few months, do you know what? Obed-Edom is being blessed. You see, David had, was, was too afraid because he thought, this ark, God's presence, I don't know how to handle it. And he, so he, he ran away, he, he handed it over. He said, I can't, I can't have this presence. He realised God was so holy. But now he's learning, do you know what? Obed-Edom is being blessed. Uzzah lost his life because he, he, didn't, he didn't handle God's presence properly. But Obed-Edom, his whole family is being blessed because God's presence is in the home. And so David realises that he needs to go and he needs to get back to the, the, the law of God and he needs to learn what is the right way to carry God's presence. And you know what? God was going to use this experience to bring David to a new place. And David was going through this place of feeling estranged from God. He was going through this, period, this place where he felt, I can't, I don't, know how to, I don't know how to deal with you anymore, God. You know, David was the psalmist, the young boy that, that, that sang God's praises as a little boy. But here he is as a man. He's moved into a new role. He's king now. And God's saying, I want you to step up. And he doesn't know what to do. He doesn't know. He's not enjoying God's presence. He's, he's at a distance. And, and he's watching from a distance. And he sees that this man, Obed-Edom, that he's being really blessed. And all his family's being blessed. And he thinks to himself, you know what? I need to learn. I need to actually go before God and ask him, what did I do wrong? I need to learn from, I need to learn from this experience. And that's what God wants to do with us. Because during those times that we do feel estranged from God, during those times that we're aware that we're weary or we're worn out, during those times that we feel ashamed because we've let God down, we've done things the wrong way, we've made a show of ourselves, whatever it might happen to be, during those times of worry, of, of, of not knowing how to handle a sickness or, or fear of the future or whatever the difficulty might be in your life, do you know what? The enemy wants to actually estrange you from God and push you back. But God said, no, I want you to learn more through this experience. And David was going to learn more. And you know what David was going to learn? I'm going to say it next week. David was going to see that going through those hard times with God brings us out into a greater freedom and a greater sense of God's presence and a greater joy. I'm telling you, I'm just kind of learning and, and I'm beginning to learn now a bit more than it's taken me a long time but I'm beginning to learn that when I hit a rough spot and I feel I, I feel I've shaped myself or I feel I've let God down or I feel I'm just can't go on for one reason or another any of those things any of those concerns whenever anxiety hits me or fear hits me or whatever I have learned that God is so faithful that he will teach me if I'm open to learn and that his plan, yes, Satan means it for evil, but God means it for good. And God means it to lift you up and teach you more about who he is and show you more of his beauty and his compassion and his love and set you into a new place for a new season. And it might take a day or two. And sometimes you do have to go through a little season where you're not feeling the best and you're not enjoying God. But you know what? Don't worry, because he's bringing you through. It's like the child coming down the birth canal. It has to come, and it has to come out. Yeah. And God's going to bring you out. 
And so David is going to see eventually what God must do. I, I put in your notes, through this scary experience, David would gradually learn the implications of moving into a new season and stepping up to do things God's way. And he, he first of all, gave this ark over to the Levites. Because David was going to understand eventually that God's blessing on the house of Obed-Edom was because Obed-Edom was hosting God's presence in obedience to God. And this motivated David to study the law and learn how to move the ark to Jerusalem God's way. I just want to read this to you as well because I want to make sure I get this across and then we'll, we'll move on to the next bit. Understanding God's holiness and that his heart is always to bless his people calls us to move with him into the next season in obedience. And as David found out, it always results in more blessing, more freedom and more joy. Now, we've looked at how David... His priority was to have God's presence with the people in Israel, and his priority was right. We've looked at how he needed to learn this new protocol. He needed to learn what God was wanting to teach him. And we've looked at how he needed to have a proper fear of God in his life. The Bible says that the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. And so it's good to have a healthy fear of God and to know that he thinks in different ways than we do. And sometimes we get ourselves into a position where we're just, our thinking is out of line with God's thinking. And that's where we just need, do you know what? Daily repentance is a great thing. <laughs> just repent and say, God, bring my thinking into line with yours. And you know, when we do that, something happens that lines us up. We talked about being aligned and God wants us to be aligned with him. But you see, apart from the fact that God wanted us to uh, learn the protocol and wants us to, to learn what it means to be closer to him and to be more prepared for the things that he has for us, and apart from the fact that God wants us to understand a proper fear of the Lord, listen, here is the present reality, and this is the main part of what I want to say today. The present reality for you and for me is that God eventually was going to come from David's family. Imagine. From David's family, the man who didn't know how to candle the Ark of the Covenant, the man that God was getting ready to sit on the throne of Israel, from David's family eventually would come the greater son of David that we talk about nearly every, just about every week. Jesus, the son of David, was going to come and he was going to be God in flesh. Imagine a God who could be touched. Imagine that a woman who was a sinner was able to come in and get down at his feet and weep at his feet and dry his feet with her, with her hair. She could touch God. I mean, do you think of the enormity of it? That God became flesh and dwelt among us. That God loved us so much that he came down to this earth to die for us because he loves us so much. And at this Easter period, I just wanted to finish today with this thought about, about God sending his son to, to us, a guilty people. He sent Jesus and Jesus was willing to go to the cross. Listen to this, girls. He was willing to go to the cross to become sin for us so that we could become the righteousness of God in him. I mean, doesn't that blow your mind? Yeah. That we, we can be clothed with his righteousness 
because he took on our unrighteousness. I have written here, such a God deserves our love and obedience. And so the question is this, have we moved into the next season? Yesterday morning, I got up and I, would, I hadn't done, I had a lot of things in my head, but I hadn't really got it out there onto the notes for today. And I had kind of, uh, over the weekend, I hadn't done much just for various reasons. And yesterday morning, I got up and the first thing I thought was, right, you need to get the computer right and you need to get this all onto your, onto your notes and you need to type this all up and get it ready for egos. I just felt like I heard this gentle whisper. I felt like the Holy Spirit whispered, no, you don't. I just felt like the Holy Spirit said, you know what you need to do? You need to go and sit down and do your reading. You need to give me a bit of time, just personal, you and me. Forget about the teaching for egos. And I just thought, okay, Lord, you know, I, I believe that's you speaking to me. So I just put the computer over and I sat down and took up my Bible. I go through the Bible in the year, so just whatever's coming. Did my usual readings and stuff. And as I was going through the reading for yesterday, a verse hit me, and I started to read these verses in my daily reading. And uh, I had, I had, I had worship music playing at the same time, and the worship music was, "I stand amazed in the presence of Jesus the Nazarene." And I read these words, I'm going to read them to you now. And you know, I was moved to tears. I was absolutely moved to tears yesterday morning. And it was like God just put everything in focus as to what he was saying to me, but for what he wanted to say to you today. And all the stuff that I had in my head, I had reams of other stuff for today. It was like, just set that to the one side. And it was like, just go, this is the way you have to go. And I'm going to read to you now what I read and what hit my heart as I thought of Jesus the Nazarene, God becoming flesh, becoming a real man because of his love for me. Let me read this to you, what I read yesterday. The first thing I read was, be dressed for service and keep your lamps burning. And if you're moving into the next season, and I believe God's moving many of you into a new thing, a new season, you need to know you can rest in God, you can get cleansed, you can, all of that. You, you want to rest in his arms, but you know what? He's getting you ready. He wants you dressed for service, and he wants you to keep your lamps burning. What does that mean? It means keep your testimony bright. It means be ready. You're dressed in righteousness. You're already dressed for service and keep your testimony going. Now, here's the bit that absolutely broke me. Be dressed for service and keep your lamps burning as though you were waiting for your master to return from the wedding feast. Then you will be ready to open the door and let him in the moment he arrives and knocks. The servants who are ready and waiting for his return will be rewarded. I tell you the truth. Listen to this. He himself, this is Jesus, will seat them and put on an apron and serve them as they sit and eat. He may come in the middle of the night or just before dawn, but whenever he comes, he will reward the servants who are ready. Do you know that just broke me? It broke me to think that there's a day coming that Jesus is going to return 
And you know what? For those of us who love him and are waiting for his appearing, you know what? He's going to actually, he's going to actually put on an apron and serve them as they sit and eat. Can you imagine Jesus, God himself, coming back for those of us who love him? And for those of us who are, who are ready and waiting for his return, that we're going to be rewarded, that Jesus said, I tell you the truth, that he himself would seat, would, would actually seat us. You know when you go to a, 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 into, for a meal in a hotel, the way they seat you at the table. I mean, could you imagine that, that Jesus is going to seat us at the table and then put, that, listen girls, this blows my mind, that he's going to put an apron on and he's going to serve us. The God who serves, the God who wipes the disciples' feet, the God who is touchable, the God who not only not only touched but wiped. And I've I've written in your notes this morning that just before I left the house, here's what I wrote. This is the God who went to the cross and became sin for us, so that we could become the righteousness of God in Him. Such a God deserves our love and obedience. And so the question is, have we moved into the next season and are we dressed and ready for service? Are our lamps burning for God? And as we read Luke 12, as I've just read, do you see Jesus, the Son of God, coming to wash, wash, not just touch, but wash the feet of those who are faithful to him? And remember this, this is the same God as the one that Uzzah encountered. Do you know why? God found a way. He found a way to reach us. And so I suppose for you, what I want to say today is, the essence of what I want to say today is this, that God loves you so much that he's the God who is holy and awesome and fearful. He's a God that people have dropped on their faces because of his holiness and his mighty the wonder of his presence and his glory of his presence and yet he's the God who went to the cross he's the God who gave himself for us so that we could be dressed in his holiness and in his righteousness so that he could touch us so that we could be joined to him so that in a coming day he will actually wash our feet that he will actually serve us this is unbelievable. This is unthinkable. This is a God who is so worthy of everything that we have and everything that we are. And as I think of this Easter season and I think of the past few weeks that I have kind of gone through some bumpy stuff where I've just felt all out of sorts and felt God's been showing me things I didn't like and correcting me and, and challenging me. Do you know what? It's all about rededication. It's all about saying, Lord, just wash me clean. Thank God he can do that. Thank God we'll put the, the robe of righteousness on. We can walk in that robe of righteousness. Thank God we're joined to him and we always will be. But you know what? God is calling us to step up and it doesn't matter what age you are. There's more to be done for the kingdom. And God's saying, whatever you're going through right now, my plan is to, is to lift you up and to get you ready for the new season. And God wants you to know that as you go through this, whatever it is you're going through, that his plans are to put you into this new season. And God wants you and he wants me to run the race that he has set before us and to run, us with our, run it with our eyes focused on Jesus. 
we were in the prayer room earlier and we were talking when we went in some of the ladies were, were talking about a song that they've been listening to a new song which is about looking into the face of jesus and then later on towards the end of the morning we were praying and they were praying for uh, we noticed that some of the women were wearing like tiger wear and uh, i was i was saying that i had watched the grand national on saturday and a uh, tiger roll anybody watched the grand national last saturday tiger roll was the horse that won and tiger roll won the race last year and uh, as i saw this wee horse not a big not a quite a small horse compared to some of the rest of them i saw this horse being led out into the paddock and listened to the information and whatever and we were watching this now i had no money on the horse i have to tell you now definitely not <laughs> and uh, the horse was drawn out and, and the horse was called tiger roll and uh, this horse had won last year but really it was nearly unthinkable that there was any chance although he was the favorite but you know a lot of people felt he couldn't do it a second time and as he was getting ready for the for the um to, to for the race i jane and i both commented that he had these blinkers and the blinkers on you know and uh, we, we we made the comment you know that horse's blinkers he's just going to be looking yeah. the end goal and uh, you know as i think of of our lives and i think of that wee horse the comments about the horse were that the horse had had a big heart the jockey the jockey said this horse has got a big heart this horse will go for it even though it's smaller than a lot of the other ones it's got a big heart and i was telling the ladies in there i was crying over this flipping horse <laughs> because when the horse started to run and it came to the and it was going over these jumps and, and i laughed because the jockey said afterwards he was just barely skimming over the horse, over the jumps and he says i felt like saying to him could you not lift your legs a bit higher <laughs> this is what the jockey said afterwards anyway uh, the horse w was going over these jumps and towards the end the horse was kind of nearly buckling as he hit the ground because they're massive jumps as you know one of the horses died over one of those jumps that Saturday and this horse was going for it and it came to the end and the horse took off I could I could get very emotional I was weeping over this here's me this horse is going to win this horse is a big heart and this horse had his eyes on the on the one goal it wasn't looking left it wasn't looking behind it was looking straight ahead and you know what it was a tiger in that horse they asked their trainer afterwards one word about the horse he says tiger and i thought there's a tiger in every one of you if you only would let it out god has made you with a tiger in your tank remember the tiger in your tank <laughs> you know what ladies there's a race set before us and god wants us to run this race and he wants us to run us and run it full pelt for him keep your eyes on him know you've got a big heart because he gives you a big heart you can go for it girls go for it give him your best give him your all whatever he's correcting you about at the moment whatever he's challenging you on whatever he's doing in your sadness or in your difficulties whatever he's saying to you listen to him take it in receive it by faith that it's for good know it's always for good allow him to lift you up and bring you into the new season give him all your cares and your worries he's a god who can heal he's a god who can turn around what was meant for evil and turn it into good he's a god who wants us to run the race for him looking on to jesus the author and the finisher of our faith this past few days i've just been saying to the lord you know what the enemy will not take me out one day 
He not take me out one minute before you want me home. He won't do it. God's in control. We trust him. He's the one who's the author and the finisher. We're going to run this race, girls, and we're going to run it full time. He's the God who teaches us, the God who, who, who lifts us up into the next season. And you know what? We're going to see next week that when David went back and got that ark again, boy, did he ever take off in the dancing. Did he ever take off in the worship? Did he ever know freedom like it? The pinnacle of his life was after this experience. God wants you to know there's more. There's a place he wants to bring you to know him more and to rejoice and to become more with one with him. Let him, trust him, and go for it in Jesus' name. Father, I just pray that as we, as we sing our song, Lord, and, and we haven't really time for anyone else to share at the minute, unless there's something particular or very quick you want to say, we will welcome that. But Lord, I just want to say right now, thank you for this morning. Lord, by your spirit, will you just move in all our hearts. Stir us up, Lord, to know that you've put everything we need into us. God, you've given us all the resources. We have the Holy Spirit. God, we have all the resources of heaven available to us to run this race. Help us to rest in you, Lord, and know it's not by might, it's not by power, but it's by your spirit, Lord. And we look to you and we trust you and praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, just take a moment and just I'd love us all to think, what is God saying to us right now? And what are we going to do about it? How are we going to move on from today? What is God saying to you right now? Just take a moment. Lord, you know everything about us. You know all the little twisted things and all the little quirky things and you know everything about us. Just pray right now, Holy Spirit, that you would speak into every heart. That you would give a clear picture, clear word as to how they're to move forward from this morning. And over this Easter time, that we will remember you and worship you and rededicate ourselves to you. In Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to sing uh, this final song. Love us to stand and to sing it with all of our might. Lord, I come, I confess, bowing here I find my rest. Thank you, Lord. Thank you that you are righteousness. Thank you for the price you paid. And help us, Lord, this morning to remember you and give you thanks and worship you today. And Lord, may we worship you over this Easter period and remember that you have redeemed us, that we belong to you, that we're joined to you. And God, that we would again rededicate ourselves to you and trust you for the future. Lord, I believe you want many of us to move forward into this new season. I believe, Lord, you're saying to many of us, rise up, my love, and come away. The winter is past. The spring is here. Let's go for it, Lord. Lord, we thank you for your goodness. Help everyone here to hear you today and to say yes to you, Lord, and to rise with you as you lead us forward. In Jesus' name, amen. As usual, we're here. If anyone wants prayer, and remember that... Uh, we're not back until uh, the 30th of April. Bless you.